Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. This summer, we'll be traveling at an altitude of approximately two feet in a brand new Nissan. We invite you to enjoy the available panoramic views, premium seats in all rows, and connected tech while avoiding baggage fees, layovers, and neck pillows. So fasten your seatbelts and enjoy nonstop routes to summer because the best way to travel this season is in a new Nissan. And now is the best time to buy at the Nissan 4th of July sales event. Save up to $3,500 on the 2020 Nissan Rogue or get 0% APR financing on 13 models. Nissan, innovation that excites. For well-qualified buyers, 3500 on 2020 row consists of 3000 cash back and 500 bonus cash. Available on purchase. Must purchase from new dealer stock. See dealer for financing details. Call 1-888-858-8319 for offer and safety information details. Offers in 76-2020. Gary Hoffman. Yeah. You baby. Shannon Barron. And I'm not going to brag about how much ass I kicked, but let's just say I kicked every single ass. Gary and Shannon. Girl, sit your hallelujah, because Uptown Funk don't give it to you. It's I'm going to go find out right now. Uh, I think he's busy anyway. It's probably... Well, uh, it's Gary and Shannon's show, KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And uh, peace, peaceful. Peace has uh, prevailed, it looks like, over these last couple of nights, days. Uh, there was, uh, I'll say this, in my town yesterday, there was uh, some, some puckering going on, and the... Uh, Rumored protest did materialize up in the middle of Santa Clarita, although nothing happened. I mean, there was one uh, one guy drove through with a giant pickup truck and was yelling at protesters. But for the most part, listen, it was uh, it was perfectly peaceful. They say they're going to do it again because they still want to talk to city leaders. And the city hall was not was uh, was not open yesterday. It was peaceful enough that they ended all the curfews. They're all peaceful relatively now. We've been talking about the evolution of the protests, and they have all taken on a peaceful nature. And, and that's why you're seeing the curfews not put into place. And, you know, the city leaders or county leaders will come out and say, well, we're, we're removing the curfews because uh, we want to give protesters the right to protest without the fear of being arrested. It's like, OK, maybe that's that's true in one vein, but the major reason you're removing the curfews is because it's peaceful out there and that that allows people to get their message across and not be distracted by morons who uh who roll into the melrose mac store and steal hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of computers and we don't have to talk about them we can talk about what it is that the conversations that are supposed to be taking place now. How did your kid's graduation go? The oh, pictures were lovely. My gosh. I have more. Uh, I think the ones that you saw were from my wife. I was, um, it's just, this is such an Your odd... wife looks really great, by the way. I know that. Well, I don't know what she's doing, but she looks incredible. <laughs> she's staying inside out of the sun. We can't go anywhere. I'm sorry. It's very, it's very loud. Um, 
Uh, there's just this weird um, situation that my daughter's in because she's graduating high school. I know there's thousands of other kids like this around around Southern California, but you know this is the the odd part about all of this. Like this is us driving yesterday, so I'm in the passenger seat. My son's driving. My daughter's back there. She's got to sit in the back seat because when she gets out, and then my wife, you know, behind me in the car. It, it's just the weirdest thing to go through this process where you pull into a giant park and they direct you to a certain area and there's teachers and administrators for the school. And then they tell you to, uh, you know, get out of the car, please. You know, you don't have to wear your mask for the first part, but you do have to wear your mask for the second part. And I'm not allowed out of the car. Just her, just my daughter. Just ridiculous, arbitrary rules. Yeah. Just silly. What was it called? A safety theater? Yes, safety theater. So she got her diploma cover yesterday, and then we actually went to a nice brunch afterwards. At a real restaurant? Sat in a restaurant. And just to add the weird, you know, layer of weird on layer of weird, she and the friend that we were with, she and her friend, uh, took a picture with five sheriff's deputies that were there early waiting for something to happen. I mean, at the restaurant, they were just getting their breakfast on before anything was going to happen. And and then what? And then you, you go home and you you just wait. I mean, she picks up her diploma today and then there's just so many questions about what goes on with what the fall is going to look like when it comes to school. Because remember, there was also a global pandemic not too long ago that people were talking about and concerned about. I, it's just, I feel so bad because it is such a weird, odd time. And I, you know, a lot of people have said, Oh, you'll look back at this time and you'll laugh about how funny it was. I don't think so. When you graduated, there were riots in the streets and people were dying of a weird flu. And that was, you're going to laugh. And I thought, what a sucky Who's, outlook. Who says that, by the way, with more than 100,000 people who have died yeah, I, and uh, all of the, the, you know, the tension and the upsetment and the, the bad history of, of the country that's coming to light more and more. It's like it's a it's a depressing ass time. I don't think anyone's going to look back and laugh about 2020. No, I, I have seen this also, the attitude that, listen, it. This is a you're in a a weird time. You're in a bad time in terms of this is a painful time. But from this point forward, you are lucky enough that you're you're old enough to understand what's going on and you're old enough to appreciate when the healing begins. Right. And hopefully, you know, when you look back on 2020, there will be progress that we've made with each other by the end of the year. That will be something that we can. Um, that we can be proud of. Uh, yesterday, we found out about Eric Garcetti saying that he was going to cut uh, $250 million from the LAPD, as well as cancel the $700 million in additional funding that the department was due to get in the next budget year. Well, the police officers union is not pleased. In fact, the union put out this statement. We've sent an emergency request to Chief Moore to send the LAPD crisis response team to City Hall because Eric has apparently lost his damn mind. They're going to hold a news conference at noon. He said that he was receiving calls. Eric Garcetti said he was receiving calls from other mayors across the country saying either 
wow, great move, or what the hell did you just do? Now I'm going to have to do that in my city. And I've said it before. I think it's going to co- it's going to take multiple cities fi- figuring out what the police reform is going to be for there to be any sort of um, satisfaction. Listen, if Minnesota, um, specifically Minneapolis, is in that train is on that train also in terms of dismantling their police department, not just defunding. There are people on the Minneapolis City Council who are talking about completely dismantling the Minneapolis Police Department. One of those people is Jeremiah Ellison. If that name sounds familiar, it's because he is the son of the Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison, who we heard from when it came to charges against all of the officers involved in the death of George Floyd. Jeremiah Ellison, the son, is a representative of the city's Ward 5, and he says we are going to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. And when we're done, we're not simply going to glue it back together. We're going to dramatically rethink how we approach public safety and emergency response. It's really past due. Minneapolis, this hour, it just came out, has agreed to ban all chokeholds by police and require bystanding officers to stop them. So that's one of the things. I mean, we talked about it earlier in the week. I think that police departments are going to have to go through their policy books with a fine-tooth comb and make changes for there to be some sort of satisfaction. I guess I'm I'm struggling with the idea of what does a place without a, a traditional police force look like? And I know that Minneapolis, you know, being sort of at the tip of the spear on this issue, is trying to do that same thing and figure out what it would look like. But the... According to the uh, Minneapolis Star Tribune, the newspaper there, one of the people who is involved in this whole discussion has talked about what a revamped public safety force. I mean, they're even talking about changing the name. It would be a public safety force, potentially sending social workers or other civilian personnel into situations that are traditionally handled by police. And I, I, I just I come back to the very, you know, some of the very basic common calls that police officers respond to. And the one that comes to my mind most immediately because they can potentially be the most dangerous are domestic violence calls. Another council member has come out with calls for taking apart the city's police force. Uh, Alondra uh, Cano, she tweeted, the Minneapolis Police Department is not reformable. Change is coming. Now, the the... I'm I'm willing to listen. Like if you got a you got police 2.0 in mind, you you have public safety force 2.0 and you think you have an idea of how you can keep a major American city like Minneapolis safe without a police force. I'm listening. I'm all ears. But you got to understand that even if you look at Joe Biden as your barometer of who's good and who's bad in America, even Joe Biden says his percentage 10 to 15 percent of Americans are just not very good people. So how do you protect the other 85 percent from those 15 percent who are just not very good people? Part of it is the way we spend our money. Um, If you look at uh, if you look at Oakland, where is it? Social service programs like youth programs, housing and income Support received less than 30 cents to every dollar given to the police in 2018. In Los Angeles, I believe it's 53% of the budget that goes to the police force. It has long been a goal in Los Angeles from Reardon to Villaraigosa to build up the LAPD to 10,000 officers and that that would keep the community safe. 
but you're not doing enough on the back end when it comes to those social service programs. And I understand the call to divert some of the funding from the police to those programs because you've got to start at the local level in neighborhoods, in homes to make people go down a different path than the path of crime. And I get that. And I fully support that. But what happens when you wipe out the police force or you disarm them or whatever the goal is or whatever you'd like to see? What happens when those same people need help? Um, Some cities and localities have taken steps to stop inflating police budgets. Last year, Jillian Johnson, uh, she's the mayor pro tem of Durham, North Carolina, decided not to allocate more funding to the city police officers. And she said, like every other community in America, our community is overinvested in policing and incarceration and underinvested in housing, jobs, education, health and all the other investments that make those punitive interventions necessary. She said the safest communities don't have the most cops. They have the most resources. A couple of years ago, St. Paul, Minnesota mayor rejected a request for more police officers, saying our driving goal shouldn't be to hire as many officers as possible, but to reduce the number of times we have to call police in the first place. As long as we focus more on responding to emergencies than on preventing them in the first place, we'll never have enough police officers. But I think you can do both. I think you can have a strong and respectful police force. And I think you can have more money diverted to social programs well, that make people go down different paths. You mentioned the idea of, of having these increased social programs to make people, uh, you know, choose a, a lifestyle, to choose an, a job. Or that they have a, the luxury to choose that. But Some people don't have the luxury to live a life that's not based in crime. Everyone has got to have at least some semblance of equal opportunity. We've got to be, if a kid grows up, no matter what, where geographically that kid lives in uh, Southern California, that kid should have the ability to determine his or her own future, to to figure out, I want to go to college. I want to be a police officer. I want to serve in the military. I want to be a social worker. I want to be a painter, whatever that is. Every single kid should have the opportunity to do that. We all know that that's not what happens. We all know that that's not the reality. Right. Pouring money into those programs to open those doors for kids who wouldn't necessarily have those opportunities, that's great. The other thing that it takes is human capital. People have got to get off their asses and do the things that they talk about doing. They've got to get off their asses and do physically do the things that they wouldn't mind spending money on. And this is the difference between, I think, a lot of people's attitudes and a lot of people's um, – those few people, those handful of people – who will do something. It's one thing for us to sit here and say, yes, we need to write a check so that the Boys and Girls Club is more robust in terms of the the facilities that they have, the the classes that they can offer, the time that they can spend with kids. It's another thing to say, I am going to take three weekends out of my my month and volunteer in those places and, and, and put my my, you know, feet onto the actual street and to do this sort of thing, because there are all kinds of programs available. There are all kinds of opportunities that are there. It's that there's so little human capital in there on the ground doing those things. The other thing is we have got to emphasize personal responsibility. And I don't mean in one community over the other. I mean for everyone. We all have a role to play when it comes to turning this thing, this 
this country, this experiment in democracy, this this painful time that we find ourselves, we all play a role in fixing it and moving forward from it. And when I, as an example, yesterday, uh, I should have been paying 100% attention to my daughter's high school graduation. It's the last high school graduation I'm planning on attending for my kids. Well, you don't know. Right. You could I have. Don't a, know. You might have another one. Who knows? You might have a surprise baby. Uh, surprise. That will. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. If I have a child from this point forward, <laughs> that will be the name. Surprise. This is the first name will be surprise, and the second name will be what? <laughs> that will be the middle name. So that surprise, what Hoffman will graduate from college? Or, sorry, graduate high school in 2038. But but listen, but I w- I should have been paying attention to that. Meanwhile, I'm stuck on the fact that on Twitter the hashtag Santa Clarita is trending. Right? If you went through that absolute flaming trash heap of on fire manure. That is Twitter to go through and determine whether how you feel about the current situation. It's sad. It's depressing. Yes, there's there's nothing encouraging. There's so few comments on social media right now that make you feel good about anything. It's all bad that that make you feel positive or even optimistic about the ability to come together, because if you if I mean, and I'm not looking to Twitter to be my savior by any means. But if I were to use that as a barometer for can we get anything better? Absolutely not. Can we improve on? Absolutely not. Because people are so entrenched in their decisions about this group of people is like this or has these characteristics because of A, their skin color, B, where they live, C, what kind of truck they drive, D, what kind of profession they choose. As If we continue to stick ourselves in that mentality, we're ne- and I mean everyone, well, we we're have, never going anywhere. We've spent the past four years developing the muscle to not listen to anyone who disagrees with us. We've spent four years building it up and going to our each side of the room and separating ourselves and turning off our listening devices. Nobody wants to hear any other viewpoint than what they have. And we've spent four years in the echo chamber that is Facebook and what people on Facebook are thinking and, and building up and, and building off of each other. And it's just a bad place. I feel- and, we, and, I, and if this can bring us to listening again, I'd really appreciate that. I feel like politics is an example of, uh, you know, it's one of those arenas where we can see that division growing where when a cell separates and all that stuff from the nucleus kind of pulls apart. You sound like Chris and Carla. I know. Uh, and the acrid <laughs> smoke of pain. Uh, when that starts to pull apart, you're left in the middle with this feeling of I'm not connected to anything. Yeah. And in the vast middle of this country, whether it's economically in the middle, geographically in the middle, um, uh, politically in the middle, there's this giant unflexed muscle that is being woken up by this, that they, they being people in the middle realize, wait a minute, this is an opportunity for change. I'm tired of seeing images like George Floyd with a knee on his neck. I'm tired of seeing that over and over again. And I'm tired of being ignored because I may have voted for Trump, but I can still be outraged by that. I love law enforcement, but I hate cops that do that. Yeah. I love the ability or the opportunity for kids of all color, 
all place, all geography, all economics. I believe that all of those people should have the same opportunities, but I'm not going to go out of my way to dismantle a police department because of that. This whole story has taken on that same polar opposite feel that we've had in this country for the, the past four years. It's come down to, unfortunately, are you in support of law enforcement or are you in support of ending racism? What the hell? Yeah. Why, why do we have to keep dividing ourselves into two camps? I don't get that. We're human beings and we're fully capable of holding two thoughts in our head at the right. same time. And that's the frustrating thing is you're either you're either it's it's not a binary thing. There's so few things in life that are binary. It's either a one or a zero. Sometimes it's a one point five. Right. Sometimes it's a one point seven of life is the gray area. That sucks. Well, listen, uh, we've this conversation is is beginning. It's continuing. Um, one of the people that we wanted to bring on today uh, is Akili. He is uh, one of the lead organizers for Black Lives Matter L.A. First of all, I want to thank you for taking time for us today. And I'm glad to be here. Hey, um, the last couple of days, curfew or not curfew, uh, protest or not, has been peaceful. And I, I would imagine you guys are happy because that allows your message to come through loud and clear and people aren't distracted by rioting or looting or anything like that. Well, I wanted to draw a distinction between what makes us happy, which is ending state sanctioned violence in all its forms, social, political and economic, um, and what people are expressing and, and what people are expressing is outrage. Um, you know, so it. Those, that expression of outrage uh, has impacted uh, the, the racialized culture in America, which, are, which we certainly think is good. But I would not say what we are doing, what we're thinking, and what we have been considering, make, it makes us happy. This is a sad time. Uh, you know, today is the birthday. Of, she would have been 26 years old today, Deanna Taylor. But she was shot in her bed uh, early in the morning because the police didn't knock and they just came in shooting. That's a sad day. Uh, we had the memorial yesterday for George Floyd, and people heard it, that eight minutes and 48 seconds. That's a sad time. Uh, you know? So, no, we aren't happy. What we are is we see now that there is some light, some cracks, maybe, uh, but we've been here before. Many of us have been here before. Many of us saw this happen with Emmett Till. Many of us saw this happen with the four girls who were bombed at the, uh, at the 16th Street Baptist Church. Many of us saw this happen with Trayvon Martin. So we've been here before. Uh, and we connect those dots. You know? And so happy is not what we feel. Happy is not what, 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 is what we are about. What we are concerned about is how do we stop what we have identified as police violence. Akili, uh, I was talking about Emmett Till yesterday, and that was 1955. And yep. his mother uh, made the decision to have that open casket and to have it photographed and broadcast throughout um, the uh, the newspapers then, kind of in the way that the murder of George Floyd was able to be seen by so many people 
um, in this country and around the world. And I think there's a lot of frustration, too, that that was 1955. And here we are in 2020. And the same kind of thing is going on. And that that George Floyd, while we're all outraged about it, like you just said, is the most recent case um, that it's happened time and time again. Do you have a couple minutes to hold on? Because I want to ask you what you think about Mayor Garcetti and uh, the move he made. On Sunday, he said that the, they, they would not be defunding the police department. And then yesterday changed his tune quite substantially. Do you have a couple more minutes to hang on with us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I look forward to talking about that. Great. Excellent. Uh, Akili is one of the lead organizers for Black Lives Matter Los Angeles. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Is it too late now to say sorry? Yeah, I know that I let you down. Is it too late to say sorry now? Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Some protests planned today at the following places. Looks like City Hall at noon, Long Beach City College at noon, Northridge Park at noon, Huntington Park at 3 Simi Valley City Hall at 11 a.m., Central Park in Pasadena at 3, Hawthorne Plaza at 1. A little bit later, we'll get into Swamp Watch. Uh, President Trump was talking about the unemployment numbers, which went actually down compared to what we thought was going to happen. Uh, unemployment at 13.3%. Um, also, this big fire that has torn through a warehouse in Redlands today, uh, 2200 block of West Lagonia Avenue, about 5.30 this morning. 100 people were inside. They said they were evacuated uh, before firefighters got there, this was a massive, massive fire that even shut down uh, part of the 10 freeway at one point. Uh, the initial reports indicated it was an Amazon facility that it said apparently it's a company that con- uh, has a contract with Amazon, but is not an actual Amazon-owned facility. Uh, I saw a fire official being interviewed uh, just about an hour ago, and they said they don't have any idea exactly how it started, but it is suspicious because... They don't often have massive fires at a warehouse like that. So we'll keep an eye on that. We're talking to Akili, a lead organizer for Black Lives Matter Los Angeles. And I wanted to ask you what your reaction is to the mayor making what a lot of people are calling a major concession in uh, canceling the $700 million that the LAPD was due to get uh, a bump in funding this fiscal year, as well as cutting an additional $250 million from the, the budget there. Well, first of all, it's too little too late. Uh, BLMLA has been involved in and leading a coalition uh, of people that have developed the people's budget um, because we want to divest and invest. We want to divest from uh, overspending on police and invest in uh, human needs. And, and, we, and Black Lives Matter for the past five years has registered our opposition to the police budget. Uh, the police are getting up to 53% of the general fund. Uh, and there's a lot of, there's a lot better ways that that money could be spent uh, in terms of making, you know, how do we make our city a better city? How do we, you know, invest in quality of life issues? So we've been doing this for five years. This year, because the, the mayor, one, tried to fast track the budget, uh, and two, tried to you know, put in those increases, uh, we took, you know, we stepped out, we opposed it. Other people began to see it and join us, and the people's budget emerged. And and so what we are seeing is, from from my vantage point, a couple of things. One, arrogance on the part of the mayor for proposing to fast track that budget with the increases in in the first place. Two, 
bad timing because he did that at at a at the time when the country was certainly L.A. was exploding. And then three, uh, it's a win for the people because if you look at the people's budget and what has happened in terms of sharing, education, and participation, people are saying no. That's at least the surveys that we sent out. And this has all happened, by the way, in 10, 14 days at the most. And, and, and so I was just saying that uh, the LAPD is still among the top five in the country in the killing of the citizen. And for a couple of years, they were they were number one. And so we don't necessarily think rewarding the police is the best way to go. And so the, this is a victory for the people. This is a victory clearly for, um, you know, that victory in the sense that the people spoke up. Uh, and made their voices known. What would you like? Sorry. I was just wondering, what would you like the LAPD to look like as we move forward? Um, would you, are you um, of the of the thought that you want the LAPD completely defunded or down to 5.7%? I forget the figure in the people's budget. Um, but what, what, what does that look like? Yeah. Well, you should know that many of us in, in Black Lives Matter LA are abolitionists. And so we believe in the, the abolishment of prisons and police. Um, we're not quite there yet as a society. So uh, we are certainly prepared to uh, support the, the recommendations for the over 3,000 people who took the survey that, uh, that what the spending should be. And that's between 5 and 7%. And then I was talking about Oakland earlier. Um, Oakland's social service programs like youth programs, housing, income support receive less than 30 cents to every dollar given to the police. And that's a figure from 2018. If there was money taken away from the LAPD and pumped into social service programs, what programs do you think would be the most helpful? Well, you know, uh, three years ago, uh, Black Lives Matter put forth a proposal uh, based on the fact that you could hire three gang, in, you could hire three youth intervention uh, and prevention uh, staff for every one officer. And so there's a place you can start. Um, one of the things that we have allowed to happen over the past certainly 30 years um, is the criminalization of black people. Um, we are all gang. If you didn't know no better, you would think that on every corner and every neighborhood uh, is a gang member. Uh, and it's always used as a pretext to get more money, to get more uh, technology, to get more toys, to control and suppress the gangs, uh, and really to keep them from uh, hurting uh, good, decent white people <laughs> because, you know, they're hurting themselves. We don't care about that. It's you we want to protect. So as long as you can put that out as a pretext for why you need more money uh, and you can underlie that with the historic racism in America uh, about how violent we are as a people, then you can continue to ask for more money. So the first thing that, that we have to attack at is the narrative in America about black folks. There are four conditions that black people have to deal with, white supremacy, institutional racism, individual bigotry, and mass denial. Uh, and though, you know, we hear that and see that all the time. And so as we push back against this, as these, as this little bit of light that's shining, um, that's, that's come about because of George Floyd, one of the things that concerns many of us, it requires our death. It requires Emmett Till's death. It requires those 16, uh, the, the, those four girls at the 16th Street Baptist Church death. It required Trayvon Martin's death. 
It required George Floyd death for people to pay attention to the conditions and circumstances and concerns of black folks. That is in and of itself tragic. That is in and of itself uh, the failure of the U.S. society. And so when we put forward ideas, when we put forward conditions and we tell our story that we have been criminalized, if we had just been listened to half that time, maybe some of this could, be, could, be, could have been avoided. But we have been dismissed. And one of the things that happens in America is that we, don't, we believe in the individual, and so we lift up the individual, uh, except when it comes to black people. Black people are categorized by our race. And then we are told that part of the reason we are in these conditions is because we're not personally responsible enough or because we didn't work hard enough or because we didn't uh, make, the, make better judgments. Uh, and the reason that we are disproportionately uh, represented uh, in the prison, in, 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 mass, you know, in the prison, or the reason we are disproportionately uh, poor, or the reason that is because it's our fault. We just ain't working hard enough. You know what I mean? And we hear that all the time. One of the things that the Floyd murder has done is at least begin to turn people to the fact that there's institutional racism that is being upheld by individual bigotry. Well, Akili, this is very, this is a different time, I and mean, this is a different thing. And I've heard a lot of people say this feels a lot different. I mean, you mentioned the names of of people who've been killed before. Well, Barack Obama talked about it over the weekend about how he's hopeful because the protesters look different than yeah. they did in the '60s than the, than we saw before. Akili, thank you for taking time for us today. We appreciate thank it. You. Let's keep this conversation going. All right, thank you. Thank you, Akili there again, uh, one of the lead organizers for Black Lives Matter Los Angeles. We'll come back and talk a little bit more about this. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. The president taking a victory lap today. The government reported surprising job gains for the last month. And he seized on the data to predict that the worst of the pandemic and its economic destruction is over. Unemployment rate dropped to a better than expected 13.3%. That's still on par with what we witnessed during the Great Depression, P.S. Rocket ship. And you, you used the term, it was a rocket ship. Forget the V. Now we're opening, and we're opening with a bang. And we've been talking about the V. This is better than a V. This is a rocket ship. Did you hear him say that hopefully George Floyd is looking down and... Uh, uh, yeah. Hopefully George is looking down right now and saying there's a great thing that's happening for our country. There's a great day for him. It's a great day for everybody. This is a great day for everybody. This is a great, great day He's in terms of equality. He's not good at... It's not a good day for George Floyd. Oh, you mean the fact that he's been dead for 11 days? Yeah. That's, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, we were talking, uh, about the idea of dismantling police. Uh, I hate it. I hate the idea of dismantling a police force. I, I don't even like the idea of defunding police because of the, um, understanding of what, police officers do what they're faced with every day but there's clearly a conversation going on about what kind of changes 
need to be made. And when, when I think about the difference between the Los Angeles Police Department with all of its black eyes and, and uh, the pain that that it's caused in neighborhoods in its history. I don't mean recently, but I mean in its history. And you can't ignore that. I don't anybody who's who's done any sort of study about the LAPD knows that it's had a bad reputation uh, at times. But when you look at the Minneapolis Police Department and the and the push now for Minneapolis City Council members to what they're saying dismantle the police department the way it exists now and come up with some sort of a public uh, safety organization or whatever term they're going to use. It makes me think that the LAPD today, clearly in 2020, is very different than it was in 1992. It's very different than it was in 1965. Uh, these are this agency today is more diverse than it ever has been. The LAPD, speaking specifically, and that's and not like, and that's not a mistake or uh, it's it was done by design, right? I to mean, make the LAPD look more like Los Angeles in '92 with the with the Rodney King rights and '98 with the Rampart scandal. We have a we had a consent decree that we were under. We being the LAPD were under for so long in terms of having s- significant change when it comes to philosophy, policing, uh, community involvement, community interaction. That all, a lot of that has. I'm not saying it's done. I'm not saying it's over and there's a perfect department. I'm saying it's very different than it was. And when you look at Minneapolis, they haven't gone through the same struggles that the LAPD has. I don't like the idea of putting racism on the shoulders of the LAPD. Um, it, there's inherent racism enough to spread it all around. Sure. All around. You can't, it's not just the LAPD no. that has this bias and this racism. It's it's endemic. It's everywhere. And the fact that they're taking the hit for it, that police departments are taking the hit for it, is unfair. If you want to address racism, and then you got to look, you got to look at yourself, you got to look at around at your friends, at your family, and all of it. It's yeah, not it, the cops' problem. It's just that they're the ones who enforce the law. And I'll say this from my uh, my uh, suburb: I've never lived in a more diverse neighborhood than I live in right now in my life. That's saying something. <laughs> In my life, you know, it's I'm pretty white up there. It is. But but <laughs> but it's not. But at the same time, it's not. I mean, it's it's it is a um, uh, it's an upper end, I guess, suburb, suburban neighborhood. But it's I've never lived in a place more diverse than than I do now. If you believe that racism takes the form of just. I hate that person because of the color of their skin or where they're from. There's also the 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 weird um, placating version of racism, which is you can't do it for yourself, so I'll come along and help you, or or you can't you can't achieve that by yourself, so I will come along and save you from your neighborhood or something like that. And those are two ugly sides of the same coin. I mean, in a belief that someone is below you or incapable of certain things simply because of where well, they're from. Well, that's the whole thing about like. profiling. Right. And everybody does it. Because, hey, by the way, it's human nature. Right. Yeah. We're, we, are, exactly we all right. should summon our better angels. Ah, I said it! And not give in to our animal nature. Not but that's a human to, thing. Not give in to the donuts. I almost got some donuts, you, you and you it. said you need to summon your better angel because she doesn't want donuts. She doesn't have high cholesterol. That's probably-
probably the easiest way for me to say it without getting in trouble. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. We tried that we could be Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. As we speak, there is an emergency meeting in Minneapolis. A couple council members have called for dismantling, uh, dismantling the police department. They've already outlawed uh, chokeholds, all chokeholds by police, and they are also requiring bystanding officers to stop any chokehold they should see in response to George Floyd's death. Uh, I don't know what they're a, a transformative new model for public safety is what the Minneapolis City Council says it wants in place of the old fashioned police department, although that is not really uh, fleshed out what this transformative new model for public safety would be. Maybe that's what they're meeting about. Uh, this is going to cause a lot of fear, I think, in the city of Minneapolis. Because if you the assumption is that that means there will be no police responding to 911 calls. And I I know that's not what they mean, but you got to get out in front of this before you start throwing around uh, phrase terms and phrases about dismantling a police department. Uh, It's one thing to say you're going to cut the funding. It's another thing to say you're going to do away with the police department altogether. So they got to be careful when they do that. I have something nice for you. Okay. It's a new twist in the Tiger King epic. I've been saving it for you since yesterday. Oh, okay. A sheriff in Florida has declared. Is this the sheriff who's had like all the chemical peels and looks like he's made for TV? Looks like a Ken doll with a police uniform on. Hillsborough County Sheriff Chad Cronister is his name. So, okay. And he spoke to a television station. This week, and he declared that the will of Carol Baskin's missing husband, Don Lewis, was forged. What? He says they called in experts to say that the will was a forgery. The two experts deemed it 100% a forgery. Remember, Don Lewis was reportedly a multimillionaire when he mysteriously vanished in 1997, later declared dead in 2002. And. We think that Carol Baskin fed him to her tigers. Carol Effin Baskin. Baskin. Do you remember like four years ago when that show came out and everybody hated Carol Baskin? A report in the Clarion Ledger newspaper said the notary listed on the will and the power of attorney did not remember authenticating the documents. The paper also said that two handwriting experts had determined that Don Lewis's signature was traced from a previous document. But here's the problem. No criminal charges can be filed against anybody for this uh, fraudulent will because the statute of limitations has expired. She knew it. She knew all along all she had to do was outlast these people. 
Baskin wrote a statement refuting all of our claims that we made from of the Netflix series. Of course she did. She says Don was cool not cats and kittens. Don was not easy to live with. And like most couples, <laughs> we had our moments. Sorry, but I never I threatened him. him and I certainly had nothing to do with his disappearance. When he disappeared, I did everything I could to assist the police. I encouraged them to check out rumors from Costa Rica. Earlier this week, she got control of Joe Exotic's former 16-acre zoo in Oklahoma as part of her lawsuit settlement. Yeah, I remember that. That's uh, What is she going to do with that? Remember, her whole thing was that she wanted to shut down these exotic Well, zoos. she might make it another sanctuary where she charges people to come in and look at her animals that are living better than Joe's animals. What a freaking boondoggle, Carol F. and Baskin. Whoa. You know what I think is the biggest mark of her scam artist self mm. were, were those T-shirts, like the program with the volunteers, and you'd like work your way up into a different color T-shirt it was by we- all the free labor you gave her. Very weirdly cultish. It was. Yeah, and then you had to work from one, from blue to red, and right. once you got red, she would like make eye contact, or you were allowed to make eye contact with her. Yeah. And then if you wore a green shirt, you she could might actually know refer your to her once. as Ms. Baskin. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. God. Anyway, I thought you'd like that. <sighs> I do. Okay. When we come back, um, we're going to talk about the uh, fire that's uh, burning through Redlands right now. It wasn't an Amazon facility, but it was a, a company that contracts with Amazon, apparently a distribution center that was working with them. And listen, how do you not assume that this may have been set intentionally by people trying to cause chaos? Amazon's been targeted before. It could be targeted again. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some other local stuff when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. You watch me bleed until I can't Tropical storm headed here. Is that Crystal Ball? Crystal Ball. A storm headed for the U.S. Gulf Coast has regained tropical storm force and drenching southern Mexico and Central America. Tropical storm Crystal Ball had maximum sustained winds of 40 miles per hour. It's expected to cross the Yucatan Peninsula today. Regain tropical storm strength and track to the U.S. Gulf Coast. We saw some uh, some good unemployment numbers, although to say that sounds weird when you think that the number is 13.3%. I mean, we're still talking about Great Depression level uh, levels of unemployment, but the ability for the economy to come back and hopefully come back as strong as it was when we saw January, February, March numbers uh, is positive. We'll be talking with Caleb Silver from Investopedia a little bit later in the show about why it is that we can see the Dow. I mean... You can have an unemployment number in the low teens like that, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average jumps by 1,000 points. We've talked to him about it before. We'll uh, continue that uh, when we get into the 12 o'clock hour today. Well, what a sight this was. Firefighters had to battle a massive warehouse fire early this morning in Redlands. At one point, the 10 had to be shut down. A hundred people working inside that building at the time. Apparently, uh, city spokesman Carl Baker said, oh, everybody got out of the building safely. There were some Amazon trucks that caught fire. 
And if you saw some of the early images, it was pretty amazing. Everybody thought it was an Amazon warehouse, but apparently it was just a contractor. It's not owned by Amazon. The representatives say the site is operated by a different company, CUNY Nagel, which they said was a third-party operator that will ship extra-large items specifically to customers. And they said, if you have one of those things that you think is coming, I think we have something on order from Amazon, don't we? But it's it's not going to be this large. Oh, the tapestry? Yes, it's not going to be that large. Everybody needs a tapestry for their office, right? At least it's not a living, breathing animal, which we've had to talk you out of multiple times in the last 12 weeks. Um, Remember that day we bought a ham? That was a smart decision. Not a living, breathing thing. Right. But contributed to our living and breathing. This is true. Um, they said that there will be minimal impact to the Amazon customers who have these larger orders. The customer orders will be fulfilled from from other locations, they have said. Uh, an interview with firefighters earlier also showed that uh, they are going to begin the process figuring out how this thing started. Uh, sure, there's plenty of opportunity for this to have been an accident. It's one of those strange things where uh, just based on the timing of all of this and the way the world uh, has been going for the last couple of days, that there's a possibility that this may have been uh, intentional. We just don't know what uh, we don't know one way or the other yet. Another big local story that's going on this morning. Remember that reality show doctor and his girlfriend and Tony Rakakis at the time, the Orange County DA had this press conference and it was this big dog and pony show about this Reality show doctor and his girlfriend and how that they had uh, been drugging and raping uh, dozens of women. Grant Robichaux and his girlfriend, Sarissa Riley. And then it came out. Todd Spitzer comes out and says that it was all a dog and pony show to boost Tony Rakakis's numbers, basically. Well, and remember, I mean, just in the context of the time, we were still on the heels of the Me Too movement. And the idea that there would be a doctor out there victimizing not a handful of women, but hundreds of women. The way Tony Rakakis made it sound was there were hundreds of women in Orange County that had been victimized by this guy because of the thousands of images that they supposedly found on the phones. And everybody grabbed onto it because it wasn't just a doctor drugging and raping women. It was his girlfriend, too, which took on another level of lewdness. Well... This morning, a judge has refused to dismiss the rape and kidnapping charges. Orange County Superior Court Judge Gregory Jones this morning said he was rejecting a bid by prosecutors to drop the case. Which is rare, right? When the prosecutors go to a judge and say, you know what? We don't have enough. We don't have enough. Or this was bogus. Because remember, Todd Spitzer took over the DA's office. And promptly said that this was all make-believe. Yeah, so it was just February. Again, seems like it was two years ago, but it was just... February? It was the beginning of February when Tony Rakakis... I'm sorry, when uh, when, um, Todd Spitzer came out and said that uh, Rakakis made a public misstatement about the evidence when he said that there may be more than a 1,000 potential victims. You remember, that was a mind-blowing statement that Rakakis had originally made uh, and said that a, a state that statement prompted hundreds of phone calls into the DA's office. Spitzer said back then that the fire that, that his office was going to file the papers to try to dismiss the case. And then um, the next court date was supposed to be February 28th. 
So as this continues to go along, the uh, there's also that lawsuit filed by one of the accusers, $22 million in damages that was originally uh, scheduled, or I'm sorry, was originally filed and, and called for. But if the judge in the case does not dismiss it, um, or if the judge does not dismiss this case, but the prosecutors say they don't have enough evidence, what does the prosecutor's office do? They still try this case, or do they go back and try to find more evidence? District Attorney Tony Rakakis at the time said that we believe that the defendants would meet victims in a public place, drug them in that public place, and then take them back to their home after the victims were rendered incapable of consent with the intent to sexually assault their prey. And that's where you get the kidnapping charge. These two uh, have unequivocally denied all allegations of, here's the key, non-consensual sex and absolutely deny any allegations that we ever secretly drugged anyone for the purpose of having sex with them. I think there's maybe some weird stuff, stuff going on there <laughs> that the this couple was into meeting a, weird. a third friend at at uh, bars and stuff and maybe they like to have cocktails maybe they like to get into some pills or right. drugs or whatever and you'd never want to talk about it in front of Denise Richards and her kids no that's a whole different don't story ever sorry to bring it back that. to that but but weird and don't but bring it criminal? up don't bring it up around her husband either cuz why was he the only guy at that lunch? Oh, he wasn't. He wasn't. Well, it, there were other it, camera shots. There was a guy sitting next to okay, him, Okay, because I was yeah. like, where's Mauricio? Because uh, Mauricio is my favorite around. person to watch because he's high the whole time. What do you think Aaron is? He's high all the time, too. I know, but he's like a bitter high. Mauricio is like a fun high. And did you see the whole thing? Just don't tell me to shut up. Oh, yeah. I'll squeeze that, your hand off. looks like a fun relationship, doesn't it? Uh, no. What's going on with people? Anyway. Uh, so it may be weird. It may be weird that that was their uh, proclivity. Yeah. But was it criminal? Was it consensual? Uh, there, I, to me, well, they're saying. The to me, in that their statement, they're saying, "Yeah, we did drugs and had sex with strange people, but it was all consensual." Uh, okay. There is a story as well that I just saw that um, it it brings an interesting issue to light in this. In this moment that we find ourselves in, sorry, Gavin and Eric, I'm going to take your word there, where the things you say can cause you to be canceled. How about this? What about the things that that person says that gets you in trouble? There's a guy who got kicked off of his team because of something his wife said. Really? Yeah, we'll talk about that when we come back. Gary and Side note, Yeah. if you want a living, breathing creature for the office... My wife is offering up our daughter's fish tank. Oh, but I don't want to clean She's it. Had, that's the thing. Yeah, you don't. Well, that's why you have Jacob. Yeah. You could tell him to do things. I, I'm not handle. I don't have people do things. That's a good point. I take it back. Remember when he used to uh, throw the Diet Coke cans at the recycle and he would miss the recycle bin and then he would just leave the cans on the floor. And then I yelled at him about it. And now he picks them up and puts them in there. And I feel like I did real God's work that day. You did. Like I enacted change. You made him do a lot of self-inspection. Yeah. He did. He spent a lot of time thinking about himself. Yep. Thank you in advance. I don't want to dance. Nope. I don't need your hands all over. 
I was just having memories of the beginning of the show, listening to these 2015 tunes. I don't think I have ever associated with. I, I'm not good enough for these last few years of songs. Uh, in terms Do you want to have a party for our fifth Let's, birthday? L- I listen. I want to say this. Yes, I do want to have a party for our fifth birthday. Yeah, that would be like a fifth birthday party theme, like a bounce house and some ice cream yes. and some cake and stuff like that. That would be awesome. Can we get midgets? What does that have to do with being a five year old? Well. I was just in kind of a festival, carnival-type headspace, and I thought weaving in a couple little people would also add to the the fun of that celebration. Um, For tossing? No, Amy. You're well, such a monster. Me? How dare you? Yeah, let's... What our little are... people would do is we'd get we'd get like um a throne like thrones uh-huh. for the little people and they would sit there and they'd look over us the whole time. Okay, so we're not going to objectify them by throwing them, but we will set them up on stools like they're props. No, I feel like we're missing. They are our guests. And I think I... you should have stopped at Bounce House. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, wait, don't say yeah. I, the one, I, I, the one stopped at Bounce House. You, the one, says, I don't know, midgets. I would just like to point out that this company hired little people as elves Different for time. a Christmas party. Different time. In circa 2007. Different management at the time, too. Was it? I don't know. Uh, at the top of the hour, we understand... Um, Uh, The L.A. Police Union is coming out with a statement specifically about Mayor Garcetti's suggestion that the budget for LAPD be cut by somewhere between 150, 250 million dollars, depending on which uh, which numbers you're looking at, because of this push now to defund police departments. We'll talk about that and we'll listen in on that if we can get it. Um, There's also a uh, the, the worst, I think aspect of what we've seen over these last 11 days is a push to just stop the conversation. If if somebody says something that you don't like, you're going to continue to throw your fingers in your ears and go blah, 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 whatever side yeah. you happen to be on. That's not that's that's how we got to this point in the first place is right. people unwilling to sit down and have the conversations and unwilling to uh, allow their initial reactions or frustration allow them to pass so that they can answer questions or ask questions without being uh without being afraid of being shouted down well here's an interesting aspect to all of this alexander katai everybody knows him right winger for mls la galaxy sure okay well listen i'm not saying May it's have been a blind i'm not saying it's the highest profile sporting uh name that we've heard of in la but This 29-year-old Serbian guy who's been playing for the LA Galaxy 
has parted ways with the L.A. Galaxy because of his wife's words. The team met with Alexander this week after Taya, the wife, called for people to kill protesters, which she referred to as disgusting cattle. Oh, boy. Alexander released a statement against his wife comments earlier this week saying these views are not ones that I share and they are not tolerated by my family. I strongly condemn white supremacy, uh, racism and violence towards people of color. Black lives matter. This is a mistake for my family. I take full responsibility. I will ensure that my family and I take necessary actions to learn, understand, listen and support the black community. Did the L.A. Galaxy go too far in getting rid of this guy because of something his wife said i i gotta say the la galaxy went too far that's not what this guy said major it's, league soccer says that they mutually parted ways okay well that i mean and if they're trying to use the narrative of they got rid of him because if somebody's trying to use the narrative of they got rid of him because of his wife's statement that may not be the whole truth well but you can say it cost him his job Something that his wife said yeah. cost him his job. I'm trying to see if he's any good. Uh, he's only been with the team since December. So, I mean, it's not like he's been around forever, uh, at least in terms of being on the L.A. scene that way. But uh, 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 that's a that's one of those things where I feel like that's an overreaction on the Maybe it's even an overreaction on his part. If he felt like he had to go to the team and say, I'm – you know, I, I can't play for you because uh, I live in L.A. and I know that this is a multiracial, multicultural yeah. place and I can't do that with my wife here. Uh, you're going to go on living with that wife, though, right? I mean, she's the one who suggested that people kill protesters and then refer to them as cattle. Well, he had to pick one or the other. Uh, he had to pick his wife's side or he had to pick uh, being a representative of, of a city as like Los Angeles. I mean, I don't know. That's disgusting, though, what she said. Good on her, right? I mean, she's uh, expressing herself freely, and that's what we... The Temecula mayor has resigned. He did? Yes. James Stu Stewart resigned last night. He wrote an email about the police killings that went viral. Apparently, he said, uh, I don't believe any good person of color has been killed by police. He went on to say that he had several African-American friends. Can we stop saying that? Does no one realize that when you write that out, you look like a complete idiot? Hey, did you hear about the influencers? The influencers that are using the Black Lives Matter protests to get more followers on Instagram? We'll tell you about them when we come back. People are sick. People are sick. We are a yeah. broken people. We are broken people. Gary and Shannon will continue broken. No, you're not alone. I'm only one. Call away. I'll be there to save the day. Superman got nothing to make. I'm only one. Call away. I just want to set you free. 
business is uh, booming. The boating and yachting business. What? Best sales ever. Customers deciding that being out on a boat is a great way to social distance and a lot more fun than sitting at home. I guess. I mean, you boat rentals soaring as well. Okay. It's a good way to get away from it people sure if is. that's what your goal is. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, still a lot to go in the show, including uh, LA, Peace, uh, LA Police Protective League Board of Directors uh, is going to have a news conference here in a few minutes. And they're going to be talking about Mayor Garcetti's statements from the last couple of days about defunding the police department, changing the budget plan that he had laid out for it. Although I got it. I got to say, the budget would have been affected anyway, right, because of coronavirus. And I wonder if this is an opportunity for him to say, oh, I hear you, and I'm going to change the budget at a time when had uh, George Floyd never been killed by a police officer, he would have had to come out and say, I'm going to, I have to cut the budget on the police department anyway. wonder if he's just taking advantage of that. Yeah. I, I don't know. But, but L.A. Police Protectively is going to have comments about that. Uh, this there are there is one tiny small group of people that I wouldn't mind seeing their asses kicked in these uh, in these times. The Instagram influencers are out and about and they're treating the protests, as one pointed out, like Coachella. There is a Twitter account, Influencers in the Wild. There's also an Instagram account. And it shows, it tries to shame these people, basically, by documenting them trying to document themselves as protesters when they're pulling up in their luxury vehicles, hopping out, taking a picture with a looted building or something, uh, getting somebody to take their picture, and then jumping back in the car and leaving. Do you remember, uh, they're all going for a, a, a thing that can only happen... I, I mean, the, the uh, irony of it being influencers in the wild that points these things out. There's, they're going for something that can only happen by chance. And that's these incredibly powerful images that we've seen in the last few days. And in other instances, in other um, civil unrest that we've seen where there are just indelible images in your head. Iconic photographs from around, you know, the world sometimes when it comes to these protests. The The latest one... That I think I that that came to mind immediately was, do you remember that couple on the ground in the middle of the street in the protest in Vancouver, where it was a a man and a woman and he was leaning over and he was kissing her, in the midst of the protest in uh, in Vancouver. I'll show you the image here, this one right here, where there's a cop in the foreground and there's cops in the background. Listen, they weren't rioting for civil rights or equality or to end racism. They were rioting because the Canucks had lost, I think, to the Bruins. Do they lose or they win? It doesn't matter. It was a hockey protest of all things. But this image was play, was shown over and over and over again around the world because it was just this, you know, in the midst of this violence and the gas, and the tear gas is still hanging in the air, and this guy takes the time to kiss his girlfriend. Now, these influencers who are half brain dead to begin with or being paid for absolute filth are are trying to capture that and trying to make themselves into that. 
This was the one I saw over and over and over again. Yeah. The woman in the yoga pants and the sports bra standing like she's looking at the burned out or at least looted T-Mobile store in Santa Monica. And I don't even know what. It's a, is it supposed to be a candid shot? Like I just happened to be walking down the street in Santa Monica, which I know had been victimized, and I just found myself contemplating the loss of business and and what it meant to people to go in and steal phones and why we find ourselves here in the first place. And the moron, idiot boyfriend or whatever influencer co coach right. who was taking her picture. There was. Uh... There was a conversation, a screenshot of a conversation that one woman had or one girl, one influencer had with a friend about getting drunk and uh, (laughs) attending the protests. She posted to her close friend's Instagram stories. And they she was asking one of her friends if wondering if they should go protest. And the friend says, I'm low key down. Uh, And then she says, maybe we should get drunk and go. And then the friend says, oh, my God, I'm so down. OMG, I'm so down. Let me go find a riot outfit. Let me go find a riot outfit. Then they take a picture of them in cute little crop tops holding up a F-12 sign within their riot outfits just for the Instagram. Uh, I've had the conversation many times with my kids, especially in the last couple of days, about whether I would want them out there protesting. And I said, listen, if you feel strongly about something. Absolutely. Get out there. It's your right. You know, this is this is what's great about it's this what country. the country was founded on. You get to go out there and do that and say those things. But you better be able to hold that conversation. If someone comes up to you and says, why are you here? You're not you, just there because other people are there. Yeah, yeah. You, you better not be there because you were low key down to riot and you're wearing your cutest riot outfit. All right. We'll talk what's trending when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, whole bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery available ladies and gentlemen welcome aboard this summer we'll be traveling at an altitude of approximately two feet in a brand new nissan we invite you to enjoy the available panoramic views premium seats in all rows and connected tech while avoiding baggage fees layovers and neck pillows so fasten your seat belts and enjoy non-stop routes to summer because the best way to travel this season is in a new nissan And now is the best time to buy at the Nissan 4th of July sales event. Save up to $3,500 on the 2020 Nissan Rogue or get 0% APR financing on 13 models. Nissan, innovation that excites. For well-qualified buyers, $3,500 on 2020 Rogue consists of $3,000 cash back and $500 bonus cash. Available on purchase. Must purchase from new dealer stock. See dealer for financing details. Call 1-888-858-8319 for offer and safety information details. Offers in 
kind of nice, doesn't it? Well, I think that's why boating has been, you know, you can get out. You're just you're miles away from anybody or anything. Be a nice, uh, go found, find some Channel Island to go sit on camping for two weeks. Mm. Can't camp, though. Campgrounds are closed still. A lot of them. You still have a pandemic. Did you know that? Yes. Did you wear your mask today? Yes. Uh, oh, you hesitated. I, I didn't remember, but yes, I did. I did. For the for the 22 steps from my car to our <laughs> studio. Uh, at the bottom of this hour, Andrew Dimbert's going to join us from Washington, D.C. The president talked about uh, unemployment numbers today. Um, also said uh, an interesting thing about George Floyd, that George Floyd is probably happy right now. Um, looking down seeing our unemployment numbers. He said it was a good day for George. Good day for George. Uh, what else going on? Time for What's Happening. Oh, we've got marches and demonstrations again today. Planned in L.A., Long Beach, Dana Point, Downey, Santa Monica. Protesters with Justice L.A. are going to drop off roses at the Hall of Justice today. That uh, sounds nice. To remember the first person to die from COVID-19. I wonder if in that case, specifically since they're dealing with the pandemic, if they're going to stay socially distanced. Um, Protests at uh, City Halls in Downey and Santa Monica are set to begin in about an hour. Another one at uh, Santa Clarita, a, content, a continuation, they said, of yesterday's protest is also at 1 o'clock. Um, Dana Point to Dana Point Harbor will be a marching uh, to Salt Creek Beach Park scheduled from 3 to 6.30 tonight. An anti-police brutality protest at Harvey Milk Promenade Park in Long Beach also. Um, There was one on the beach today as well. Surfers were out there and they'd spelled out the words BLM with driftwood it looked like Yeah. um, as they sat on the beach today. Well, it looks like... Shortly after Buffalo's curfew began last night, city police and state police swept through an area of Niagara Square right in front of City Hall there to clear the area as a protest was finishing up. And the video shows an unidentified 75-year-old man shoved by two officers who are wearing tactical gear. Man loses his balance, falls to the pavement, audibly hits his head, and then blood starts running out from under his head or his ear. Uh, Two medics came forward to treat him. The video is pretty disturbing. Uh, And what was most disturbing is I read a description of it this morning. But when I saw the video, the fact that he started bleeding that quickly was terrifying. And one of the officers who who did the pushing was one of the first to, like, bend down and try to do something, you know, check and see if he was okay, administer aid. But the other officers were like, no, no, you're front of the line. you got to right. keep moving. we got people right. behind you for that. And that's the part that's troubling is yeah. they keep moving despite this guy bleeding from his head uh, that they that they had just pushed down. So. Uh, Governor Cuomo of New York tweeted, it's wholly unjustified, utterly disgraceful. I've talk- I spoke with the mayor. We agree the officer should be immediately suspended pending a formal investigation. Um, the unemployment rate went down which I don't think anybody would have thought was possible considering the 12-week shutdown that we had been involved with because of coronavirus. Employers added 2.5 million jobs last month as economic activity slowly resumes and the restrictions ease. The, um, the president said that 
Well, these are his comments from earlier today in the White House talking about jobs numbers. Uh, Let me turn that up so that everybody can hear it instead of just me. I think it was probably the greatest miscalculation in the history of business shows. The history of business shows talking about Wall Street. He's speaking specifically about how things are going to go economically. Now we're opening, and we're opening with a bang. And we've been talking about the V. This is better than a V. This is a rocket ship. Rocket ship. Um, And then this was the comment that's garnered a lot of attention just because it's absolutely ridiculous. Hopefully George is looking down right now and saying there's a great thing that's happening for our country. There's a great day for him. It's a great day for everybody. This is a great day for everybody. This is a great, great day in terms of equality. It's not a great day for George Floyd. Nope. I think it's uh, fair to to say that on behalf of George Floyd. Um, At that 13.3% unemployment, though, we're still at Great Depression levels. So before you get all excited, throw yourself Um, a midget party. uh, Okay, very few people want that. You... You and I can think of one other person. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say I know one other person that will go to my party. Uh, Big fire in Redland. (laughs) It's the two of you, a bottle of La Crema Chardonnay or two, and then small people on stools. Uh, Big fire in uh, Redlands today. This one was a big distribution center that is owned by a company that works with Amazon. Uh, They said specifically that this distribution center handles the larger of the packages that Amazon delivers. Um, Part of the 10 freeway had to be shut down because of it. No no injuries reported, but uh, no cause yet either. Ever been to a uh, Buddhist community? Uh, No. Not that I know of. Um, I don't know what... uh, what it would entail, but well, Daniel... it, it entails seventy-five days in isolation. Hmm. So there was a dude named Daniel who missed this whole thing. I mean, he missed everything. Two and a half months. Thirty-three-year-old staff member at this Buddhist community was in isolation. Uh, wait a minute. I call BS on this thing. Okay. He's a podcaster. He's an enthusiastic online philosopher. Those are both things in 2020. That cannot be true. Uh, But he said he missed 75 news cycles. Two hours after he ended his silent retreat, he logged back onto Twitter and wrote, quote, did I miss anything? (laughs) I'm out of the loop. Please inform me. I I call. You think that he's lying about his isolation? I do. I do. You can't you can't consider yourself a podcaster and enthusiastic online philosopher and then take 75 days off. I find that uh, he's host of the Emerge podcast. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I'll find out more about this. Maybe we'll dip into this podcast, see what it's all about. Uh, We do have uh, Governor Newsom speaking right now from Sacramento. You'll see if we can dip in and. Check out at least a little bit of that. Argued back to 1947 and the impact Jackie Robinson had on the movement, not just Emmett Till, and that moment that marked uh, a part of history that changed the momentum. Montgomery bus boycott, others that he organized and helped lead. What makes this moment different from that moment? Is this a moment or is this a movement? What part of our history are, are we living in and living? Through. Had the opportunity to meet with uh, many youth leaders 
And I'll tell you of all the conversations I've had over the course of the last week in particular, it's the clarity and conviction of our youth. They don't mince words. They don't beat around the bush. They don't, you know, they're not patient. They're not necessarily confident that folks in position like mine get it or have the capacity to get it done. They have no reservoir of patience. They demand progress. They demand people in position of power and influence to listen, but more important than anything else, they demand that people in power, position, and influence lead, lead demonstrably, lead with courage, lead with conviction. But they also made a point, lead with civility. They pointed out a number of these youth leaders that violence has solved nothing, it's created nothing, there's nothing courageous about violent acts. I was reminded a little bit of what Kennedy spoke to, that no wrong has ever been righted by violence. To hear that from youth, youth leaders leading protests in their community, peaceful protests, was humbling and also enlivening because they want this moment to be met with a deeper sense of urgency and they want their cause to be clear. It's a cause of peace, a cause of progress and that violence has no place as it relates to meeting this moment and moving that collective cause forward. One thing I came back with, not only time on the streets in Sacramento, in South L.A., in Stockton, California, uh, with a young leader, Mayor uh, Tubbs, and many other youth leaders that he assembled, is that the black community, black community does not need to change. We need to change. We have a responsibility to change. Our institutions need to change. Our capacity of understanding needs to change. We need to contextualize not only this moment, but moments in the past where we never met these calls and these cries, that we ran short. We ran long on rhetoric, short on results. Well, there you go. That's Again, uh, Governor Newsom. He's on his listening tour, and he had to point out, of course, that Stockton is also in California, which is... What did he say? He said he was... He talked. You know, he's been out on the streets. He's been talking to people in Sacramento, in South L.A., and Stockton, California. Wow! As opposed to the side trip that he took to Stockton, Texas, right. to find people. What a anyway. He had a couple of moments in there uh, in terms of what it is that he thinks needs to be done. Uh, in this moment, he had a couple of moments. Uh, he always has Calif- moments. Always has moments. Gary and Shannon will continue. I didn't know that I was Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Coming up, we will be talking about the president's comments this morning, taking a victory lap. We'll go live to Washington for Swamp Watch. Also, uh, get more information about the unemployment numbers. Uh, We talked about it just now, unemployment dropping unexpectedly to 13.3%. Find out what that means moving forward. The uh, city of Minneapolis City Council has voted to, among other things, uh, ban the use of 
uh, chokeholds by police uh, in terms of also requiring officers to report and intervene if they see unauthorized use of force by another officer. Here's an interesting, I don't know, statistic is the right word. Uh, A fact about that is that almost all other uh, large police agencies do ban specific holds that have been proven to be dangerous like that. And then also do have language that says it is an officer's duty to report another officer who is disobeying those orders or who has uh, used the uh, unauthorized use of force. Steve Gregory is at a press conference right now that the L.A. Police Protective League is conducting. Of course, this is the police union that represents men and women of LAPD. And the spokesperson, according to Steve, says that uh, Eric Garcetti needs to get treatment for his mental health, called him unhinged, and that the rank and file have no confidence in the mayor. So we'll get an update from Steve uh, about more of those comments and what they plan to do. Uh, listen, I buckle at the or I bristle is probably the better word at the term town hall because it, it's just been so over overused in the last 10 years, perhaps, that somehow a town hall meeting is what's going to solve all of America's problems. Uh, it doesn't take an entire town. you got to start within your own household to solve some of these problems. That being said, Joe Biden did hold a virtual town hall. Um, yesterday and talked about the issues of uh, civil rights, of uh, race relations in the United States of America. And Ryan Wilson, uh, CEO of the Gathering Spot in Atlanta, had asked the vice president how he was going to lead differently, perhaps, than what we've seen in the past, or even the current president, what he would do for black Americans. And he said, if it's true that you can't truly lead people if you don't love people. And Joe Biden says, I love people. And he said that uh, President Trump has divided the country and said, when a leader does that, you're going to get the worst of us to come out. Now, he said, is this really as good as we think we can be as a nation? I don't think the vast majority of people think that. Now, this is this is the vice president's comment. Do we really think this is as good as we can be as a nation? I don't think the vast majority of people think that. They're probably anywhere from 10 to 15 percent of the people out there. They're just not very good people. But that's not who we are. The vast majority of people are decent. Okay, I'm I don't know. First of all, I have no idea where he came up with this 10 to 15 percent of people who are out there uh, that are just not very good people. He also did say this about police in general. As I said, within the first hundred days, I'm going to create a national police oversight commission. And uh, the vast majority of police are decent and honorable, black and white and Latino. And they, in fact, are worried about the culture as well. I, I, I'm, I'm lost at figuring out what, what commissions do we have commissions. We have task forces. We have these things. We, we have on that federal level that Joe Biden's talking about, we have plans in place. We have a Department of Justice, an FBI that goes in and investigates excessive use of force, especially when uh, it's a higher level police department or a a larger police department. And is is there a specific thing that a task force commission would do that's different than what we do right now? Well, yeah, because what we do right now, according to most uh, of the people out there, is not good enough. But even uh, even even in the last 11 days, 
the I mean, police that have been responding. I mean, if you have to, like, if, I think there's got to be some compromise on the issue, right? You know, you're not going to get rid of the police entirely, but you can also go through the policy books and the procedures and all of that and get, and get rid of some of it. Right. Get rid of some of the, the toys as uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, spokesperson was talking about. You know, you don't have to have the, the police departments funded to the tilt like that. You don't have to have police departments funded, you know, up to 53 percent of the, the city's annual budget. Uh, you can you can do it with less. We'll see. I mean, I, you, clearly it's really going to happen. It's... All of, I mean, I don't I, you know, when you think about all of the I don't want to call them toys, but. Uh, well, we went through the militarization issue with police right. uh, after I, I want to say after the Michael Brown killing and the and uh, the the protests in Ferguson, because there was a pushback to. Officers showing up in these armored vehicles, um, and, and it looked like – I mean the, the the people had feelings about what it looked like when police were responding to those riots in relatively small suburban neighborhoods. The question was why do you need uh, – you know, why do you need such armored – these giant armored personnel carriers to respond to a riot I mean, or, I just, of, of people who do not have weapons like that? I just keep going back to that 30 cents on the dollar for social programs – as opposed to the dollar for every dollar that uh, the police get in in Oakland, and it, in order to stop needing such a strong police force, you've got to go and fund the back end. You've got to start in the neighborhoods. You've got to start with those social pro uh, social programs and boosting them. There's one thing, so I, that fewer people go down that path. The governor is talking right now, continuing this uh, discussion about this type of thing that we're talking about right here in terms of reviewing some of these procedures. And he referred to a carotid hold um, that's designed to block the blood from blowing to your blowing, going to your brain. Um, have you ever had a carotid hold put on you? And uh, been no, but out it, by yeah, it? no, I haven't. But isn't what did he say about it? He just said that it can't continue. Listen, a carotid hold is a thousand times safer than than a chokehold, and those are very different things. Yeah, the carotid hold will incapacitate someone at least temporarily, and it'll do it quickly without any sort of permanent damage, depending on the uh, who's doing it and how long they keep it there. That'll knock you out. I, I, you want me to show you? No. Why do you hate women? No, no, wait, hold on a second. It's not what. No, no. We had a domestic violence. No, that's not here. true. It's not do we still have violence. police out there? Can you call them? I. Uh... <clears throat> okay. I'm a lady. Okay. You want to enact violence? <laughs> do it on Nick. I would put uh, Nick in a carotid hold. I got you, baby. Just you, baby. baby. This Lindsey Graham story. Lady G is trending. Um, there's apparently... Uh, there's apparently a bunch of gay escorts that are claiming that Lindsey Graham has used their services for years. And they're trying to get around or figure out how to get around the NDA. He has them all sign. 
that DC male escorts refer to him as Lady G. Hmm. Is that enough to bring down a political career? I mean, it's been kind of uh, a rumor for a long time. Uh, yeah. Or talked about. Or and he's never been about. married, right? No. Hmm. Well, did you see this thing about Kate Blanchett having a, a chainsaw accident? Yes. So and the, that she just got a nick yeah, on, on her head? The actress, Kate uh, Blanchett, apparently was gardening with a chainsaw i don't know exactly what was going on but she got a nick on her head because of the uh the the chainsaw then on twitter there's a picture of her that's actually a screen grab from something uh from the movie Babel that she was in a long time ago from 15 14 years ago and it's this whole you know she's got all this fake blood and that's not what happened i mean that's not the chainsaw accident but that's just a weird I don't know anybody who uh, survives a chainsaw accident. All right, it's time for Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Well, the president seemed to take a victory lap this morning after there were surprising job gains posted for the last month. I haven't turned up. I just, he's far away. Don't worry. He's getting closer. Idiot. This was an important day because this shows that what we've been doing is right. I can't get this thing right. How long have I been working here? Now well, we're opening, and we're opening with a bang. And we've been talking about the V. This is better than a V. This is a rocket ship. Rocket ship. Andrew Dimbert joins us now from Washington to talk about it all. Andrew, how you doing? Hey, doing well. Yeah, so the U.S. unemployment rate dropped to 13.3% last month, and that is below... April's high of 14.7 percent, this according to the data that was released today by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Also worth noting that employers actually added two and a half million jobs last month as economic activity slowly resumes and the coronavirus pandemic restrictions ease. And like you said, the president was taking a victory lap. He tweeted today a really big jobs report. Great going, President Trump. Kidding, but true. Um, the, once we get everybody who's been let go because of coronavirus closures back to their jobs, um, then we still have a lot of work to do, don't we? I mean, we still have a lot of, uh, of activity that's, that will have been lost even after we get them back to work. Exactly. And while these unemployment figures may be lower than expected, which is a good thing, some economists I've spoken to say that, you know, they're warning that there are there are still devastating high numbers at 13.3 percent. And some of the things you just mentioned there, others, though, say that while these numbers are shocking in a good way, um, it represents a, a kind of a surprise that many people were able to go back to work earlier than expected, especially in a few sectors. The most notable job gains in May occurred in leisure and hospitality. So think about it. Those were the ones that were hit the hardest by the coronavirus. And now they're getting the most notable gains, at least in May. Uh, The leisure and hospitality sector also saw an increase of about 1.2 million jobs. And that was after losses of seven and a half million jobs just a month before. All right, Andrew, thank you for crunching the numbers for us. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's an odd. I mean, the idea that they were originally predicting that there would have been eight and a half million jobs shed in May on top of the 21 million lost in both March and April. But with that, we actually added two and a half million is a ridiculous. That's a that's a 10 million job swing that 
uh, that somebody got very, very wrong. All right. Well, what this means for Wall Street and moving forward with the economy, we will have uh, Caleb Silver joining us from Investopedia next to break it down. Gary and Shannon will continue in a moment. It's kind of quintessential 2020 that we would get details on Lindsey Graham's sex life, right? Like, that's right up there with murder hornets and coronavirus. Like, nobody's asking for that. I don't want to know what that guy's into. Isn't there, a, isn't there an asteroid that's going to take us out tomorrow? There's an asteroid or? that's uh, going to get pretty close tomorrow. Um, size there, of a stadium. There is a sliver of good news, and I don't think anybody has said that since probably mid-January. Um, but there's a sliver of good news out of New York City. Today was the first day that they've been able to report a day without an official COVID-19 death since March, New York City. This is back when, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks ago, New York State, the whole state, was reporting close to 900 deaths a day. Uh, and if New York City can come back for the first time in a long time, and not have any reported COVID deaths for the last 24 hours. That's significant. Well, we talked about the unemployment numbers, of course, dropping uh, unexpectedly in May to 13.3%. There were about 2.5 more million jobs that were added over the month of May, even though people were predicting it was going to be much worse than that. Uh, We were going to lose 8.5 million. This triggered quite the rally on Wall Street. Caleb Silver is the editor-in-chief of Investopedia and joins us now. Caleb, this is a, a... Good, a good start in the right direction. This is nothing but good news, but it was completely surprising. And me and about 1,500 other people who watch this more closely than I do were very surprised by this. But we did have an addition of 2.5 million jobs, the unemployment rate falling from 14.1% to 13.3%. We were expecting a lot of job losses in the past month, but apparently that's turned around. Is it now? So the market goes up today. I mean, the Dow's up 767 points right now. Um, both S and P and Nasdaq are up about two percent. Is it just that even in a time like this, 13.3 percent is still depression era level unemployment? But this is a sliver of good hope, and everybody's just making bets on that sliver of good hope. Well, markets have been rallying for the past six or seven weeks. So today's rally is intense, and it's because the numbers were better than expected. But there has been uh, positive investor sentiment behind stocks since the Federal Reserve uh, did its last uh, monetary policy stance, which said it would be buying corporate bonds. So the market's been really kicking off since then. The NASDAQ, the technology-heavy NASDAQ, is now at a record high up for the year. Uh, So if you would have told me that two months ago, I wouldn't have believed you. That's all happened very quickly. So the expectation and investors are always betting on the future is that things are going to get better. Today's news said that that may get better faster than we thought. What particular industries are due to get better faster than we thought? Well, if you looked at where the hiring was, it was in leisure and hospitality. It was in construction and it was in retail. Those are three of the hardest hit industries. So the harder they come, the harder they fall. Those are coming back faster. And a lot of those job losses were temporary or furloughed employees. And if you look inside the Labor Department report today, you saw that the additions were all temporary or furloughed employees being hired back on the payrolls. That's a great start. But we still have about 21 million people out of work completely, uh, about seven or eight that are part-time that would like to be full-time and 4 million that can't get a job at all. So that's a big number. So the 13.3% that we see today, do you believe that that's um, uh, an accurate number? I mean, I'm not sure how to ask the question, but you referred to it just now, the difference between the temporary losses that are furloughs 
and the permanent job losses. I mean, are we, if we saw it go down from from April to May, can we bet that it's going to continue to go down over the next couple of months? Well, that's the big question. Our company is going to start hiring robustly as fast as they started firing when this began. If they start hiring back in mass, you'll see that unemployment number continue to shrink. But one key thing about the Labor Department's unemployment survey, it is a survey, and it goes out to state offices. It goes out to employers around the country, but it closes by the 12th of every month. So this is about two-thirds of the month sometimes, uh, and a lot happened in the last two-thirds of May. Was there hiring going on that we didn't know about? Was there more layoffs going on that we don't know about? We're going to have to see that. And we see this in the week-by-week trends in the initial claims that come on Thursday and the continuing claims that also come on Thursday. The continuing claims have been going lower, which means people that are unemployed for a while are starting to get their jobs back. So good signs there. We just need to see the trend moving in that direction. All right, Caleb, thanks for your time. Appreciate the insight. My pleasure. Caleb Silver there, editor-in-chief, Investopedia. Uh, One brief thing, Swampy, that I wanted to mention is there was a report coming from CNN that spoke to, allegedly, to a White House official that said that uh, Melania Trump's messaging has been troubling the West Wing, that it's out of sync with the law and order messaging that the president is using. She's using more of um, a kinder, softer, gentler tone. At, while he was on the phone with the governors telling them that they look like jerks for being weak and unable to dominate, that she was tweeting at the same time, focus on taking care of one another. Well, they don't have to be. They don't have, they don't to, have to be mutually exclusive. Right. Like, you can take care of people and protect. Does, does and... anyone expect Melania to be tweeting about law and order? No. She says, as a nation, let's focus on peace, prayers, and healing. Okay. Apparently, the White House official told CNN the contradiction did not sit well in the West Wing. Uh, did you hear the SoFi Stadium news? No. A worker fell and died at oh. the stadium site, so they have halted all work on that place oh, right now. Wow. Just uh, in terms of when they figure out. The SoFi Stadium worker, they said, fell 50 to 60 feet while working on the roof of the stadium, so work has been suspended today. Uh, there have been some budget issues that they've been going over budget in some cases, and at least 12 of the workers on the stadium site have tested positive for COVID-19, which I wouldn't say is particularly rare. There's a lot of people that are working on that stadium yeah. site right now. Yeah. But uh, but work has been halted today while they investigate the death of uh, somebody who fell while well, working on the roof. In Minneapolis, some city council members are calling for a full disbanding of the police department. We'll go live to Minneapolis and find out more details about what they'd like to see happen. Coming up on Gary and Shannon. That's why I need a one dance. Got a Hennessy in my hand. One more time I go. Higher powers taking a hold on me. I need a one dance. Got a Hennessy in my hand. One more time before I go. Higher powers taken all. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Governor Newsom, last hour, directed the state's commission on peace officer training to uh, stop the use of the carotid hold and supports legislation and the, those types of chokeholds that are used by police. Those are two different things. I'm pretty sure uh, most officers who have been trained in either one of them would tell you that. Uh, but the governor has suggested that the carotid hold is uh, is not going to be used anymore, which is not what killed George Floyd. 
Minneapolis City Council uh, talking today, holding an emergency meeting uh, about what they are going to do with their police department there. Some council members calling for a full disbanding of the department. Ryan Burrow joins us now from Minneapolis with the latest. Ryan, what do you know? Well, they didn't agree to that. Uh, They did pass a temporary restraining order, and it does a few things. Number one, it uh, no longer allows police to uh, use a neck restraint or chokehold on a suspect. Now, uh, the governor, Tim Walz, just spoke a little bit ago, and uh, he said that, uh, you know, he's surprised that that was still on the books and said, uh, actually, he said, I heard the first thing I have to say, to be honest, is that that's a pretty damn low bar just to start with in terms that we didn't have that already. So, um, you know, it's, it's a start. It's something that needed to be on the books, according to him. But, uh, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean they're jumping for joy because it's on the books now. Um, other things is if you are an officer and you witness a fellow officer using some kind of unauthorized aid that needs to be reported immediately or you risk discipline, uh, all police officers must all police officer complaints must be addressed within 30 days. Uh, they're also going to audit all body cam video um, before it was just if there was a complaint, they would look at it. But now it looks like they're going to audit all of it. So um, these need to now go to a judge to be signed off on. But uh, that they moved pretty quickly to, to get this done. And the governor's commending them for that. Um, one of the suggestions that we saw from Jonathan, uh, sorry, Jeremiah Ellison, who is the happens to be the son of the attorney general there in Minnesota and also representative of the city's fifth ward there in Minneapolis. He said that they would um, they would take apart the, his word, dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department and then not simply glue it back together, but to come up with an approach for public safety and emergency response. Is there any sort of framework that's been given about what that police department 2.0 might look like for Minneapolis? No, not yet. And and to be honest with you, the mayor doesn't think that that's necessary, completely dissolving the police department. It's not just Ellison. There are a couple other city council members who have talked about this as well. So uh, I don't necessarily know that the support is there right now to do that. But what the mayor would like to see is uh, them go into this, you know, civil rights charge as they, you know, pop open the hood and look at all of the issues and policies and and procedures that they've got in place is to maybe rework some of these contracts. Obviously, they're looking for any kind of discriminatory practices that have been on the books. Uh, But he doesn't think an all-out dismantling of the police department is necessary. And we didn't see action on that today. Have you heard from the uh, police union there? Our police union held a press conference oh, about an hour ago to talk about uh, the the mayor here in Los Angeles and his plan to defund, to some extent, the LAPD. Ha- have they been vocal there? Well, the, the president of the police union has sent out a few uh, tweets as well as uh, news releases, but really hasn't come out in front, in fact, He's purposely uh, not wanted to make public appearances. He says his life has been threatened uh, during all of this. He's been very critical of the mayor as as well as of the governor for their handling of uh, the looting and and some of the violent protests. And he said that they're going to uh, continue to fight on behalf of those four officers, saying that they were uh, basically charged illegally and and that those charges will not stick. Um, but, uh, no, we haven't heard a, a ton from him in regards to how they will move forward. Um, the one thing that the, uh, the mayor says is he does want to rip up that police union contract. So I have a feeling that that battle is going to start heating up here in the next few days. Monday will mark two weeks since the death of George Floyd. Are there plans over the weekend for large scale, uh, protests there in Minneapolis? 
No, we haven't seen any for a couple of days. Not that I'm aware of. Uh, I'm outside of a, a little tiny rally right now. I'm actually outside of the uh, the third district police headquarters. This is the one that they abandoned and evacuated because uh, it was there was a threat and then it got set on fire and was looted. Uh, this whole block right now is is still an absolute disaster. There are eight service pro uh, vehicles outside of the Target. Uh, the Minnehaha Liquor Store is just a complete skeleton. There are numerous buildings that are burned to the ground. So. There's going to be a lot of rebuilding that needs to be done here as far as Monday goes. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be marked with anything over the weekend. Uh, uh, George Floyd will be uh, memorialized in North Carolina. And then next week uh, is the public viewing in Houston. And then there's going to be a, a memorial service on Tuesday. Ryan, thank you. Appreciate your time. You got it. Ryan Burrow there once again in Minneapolis with the latest on what's going on with the Minneapolis City Council. Well, we're going to be figuring out what the reaction from the LAPD police union has been. I'll tell you this. In Buffalo, 57 officers have now resigned to support the cops who were suspended pending an investigation of that 75-year-old man who was shoved. They pushed an old man down. The entire emergency response team at the Buffalo Police Department has resigned in a show of solidarity for the cops suspended. Total of 57 officers walked off the job Friday. They're still employed with the police department, but just no longer on the emergency response team. Again, uh, the video that, that surfaced overnight shows cops in heavy gear shoving a 75-year-old man even though he was not being physically confrontational. A rep for the police department told a local reporter that the man was injured when he tripped and fell, but the video shows it's clearly not the case. He started bleeding from his head right away. Well, I mean, I guess technically it was true. I mean, he did trip the guy, and fall didn't, the guy didn't hit him on the head, yeah. but he did push him and he fell backwards as he tripped over his own feet or whatever. But I All right. Well, anyway, LAP Police Protective League held a news conference. We'll hear from them in just a moment about the mayor's plans here in L.A. to defund, not entirely, but to cut the budget for the LAPD. Also, Gavin Newsom talking about protest rules. He says protesters have the right to protest peacefully, not be harassed, not be shot at by rubber bullets or tear gas. Today, I'm calling for the creation of a new statewide standard for use of force in protests. Acts of violence against peaceful protesters will not be tolerated. Gary and Shannon will continue. All the answers, we don't have all of them. Just 98%. We just, we have enough of them that if people would ask, we come to some sort of an agreement. Sad story. Out of Englewood, construction worker has fallen and died at SoFi Stadium, working on construction there. Looks like L.A. County announcing another 36 deaths due to the coronavirus. That brings us to an overall total of about 2,565. I think that's actually a pretty low week, Uh, just remembering back to what we saw. Yeah. Um, So we'll see how it goes. I mean, tomorrow and Sunday, 
uh, in terms of the uh, the numbers that come in. That's how I've been keeping track of it in the stupid spreadsheet that I still got over there by the computer trying to keep. But last week was the lowest week we'd seen since the beginning of April. So that, that's all good news. Um, we mentioned earlier that uh, there is a <laughs> this is not funny, but there is a, uh, a hashtag going around Twitter right now. Lady G. And it's a, a suggestion. And again, it's a Twitter story. So believe it as far as you can throw it. But there's a suggestion that uh, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, longtime bachelor, m- may also like men and has been paying gay escorts. And they refer to him as Lady G. Again, not a thing. He was just on Neil Cavuto on uh, Fox News Channel and uh, the story didn't come up. Now, we also mentioned that the L.A. Police uh, Police Protective League has come out with a response to Governor, uh, sorry, uh, Mayor Garcetti's plans to cut the LAPD budget. Now, this was after there was original uh, discussion about increasing the budget for the Los Angeles Police Department. And now because of what's been going on for the last 11 days, the suggestion that we need to defund or at least cut the funding for Los Angeles Police Department. And the L.A. Police Protective League, understandably, is quite upset about this whole thing. Here is uh, Jamie McBride. He's the director of the L.A. Police Union. We are here to warn the citizens and residents of Los Angeles that we're worried and concerned about Eric Garcetti. He is clearly unstable. We are worried about him and worried about his future and the safety of our citizens. He is more interested in his image and how he's looked upon, opposed to being a leader during these difficult times. Yesterday, he smeared every single police officer in Los Angeles and across the nation by calling us killers. That's offensive, it's wrong, and it's despicable. It's a stark turnaround from the words he spoke only days ago, where he praised our officers for their dedication of service. This political pandering is shameful. If the city had an equivalent to the 25th Amendment to remove shaky or unstable leaders from office, we'd plead, plead for it to be invoked. He is not a leader. Leaders bring people together, bring positive change to address a crisis. Instead, Eric Garcetti panicked and blamed the men and women of the LAPD for his failed leadership. Eric, do you really believe that Los Angeles police officers are killers? The same officers that provide you 24-hour security at your residence 365 days a year? The same officers that came to your political rescue when crime was out of control, when shootings were exploding? Interesting aspect there. There's a couple things about it. The language that Jamie McBride chose... Uh, where he said that Eric Garcetti is clearly unstable and said if we as the city had something akin to the 25th Amendment, that we would want to invoke it because somebody is clearly unstable. I mean, using the language that people have used against Donald Trump against Eric Garcetti. And using Eric. Right. It's making first it name. Personal, Very personal and also uh disrespectful a little bit of, yeah. the, of the title. Sure. The, um, but the question of, of – and I – I've seen this before, and I have to ask how, if you are on the mayor's personal protective detail, how do you respond to this guy? I mean, you're you're a sworn officer, and you're going to do your duty, and, and the men and women of the LAPD uh, are, are doing the duty that's been asked of them. 
But if but you I mean, if you're the one who's like, I'm I'm the body man for the mayor of the city of Los Angeles. I think that and- the mayor also needs to um, be clearer when it comes to. The fact that it's less about a slap on the wrist to the LAPD and more about choosing better ways to spend our money um, when it comes to some of the communities in Los Angeles or more effective ways to spend our money. Right. Does the LAPD need 53 percent of the city's operating budget year over year Um, or can it do with 30 percent? Make some cuts that are painful, yes, but then you're funneling that money that you saved into the black communities and you're putting in those community centers. You're you're bolstering the volunteer efforts. You're putting more resources into those communities, spending more money there so that kids that are growing up now have better opportunities and they're less likely to feel desperate or to or or uh, feel desperate to the point of feeling that they need to commit crime or just that it's an easier lifestyle than, you know, clawing their way out. Eric didn't ask us. What if he did? We would say to him, hey, you need to gather a team full of LAPD officers. Or whatever blue ribbon panel or commission you're going to put together must include officers from, say, 77th Street, uh, Uh, deputies from uh, the sheriff's department where they're patrolling in different areas like Compton and and have them tell you what, if if you're going to pull money from those budgets from, from the LAPD budget, what are the programs? What are the organizations? What are those social service needs that are not being filled? Because to your point, instead of making it an us versus them, we're taking it away because you are bad LAPD then he's got to be able to find some way to politically frame it where it's not that you are bad. It's that we want to prevent you from ever having exactly. to be in those neighborhoods in the first place, Exactly, which is not going to happen. I, I don't think he's politically set. And, and listen, he can meet the moment a billion times with the stupid, goofy language that he and Gavin Newsom use. It's when he does this, when he finally puts these policies in place. All right, we come back. We will talk to one of the Black Lives Matter Los Angeles organizers about what they think uh, on Garcetti's plan. Gary and Shannon will continue in a moment. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. A little bit earlier, we had an opportunity to talk with uh, Akili, one of the organizers of Black Lives Matter Los Angeles. And Started just by saying, hey, listen, thank you, Akili, for taking time for us today. And I'm glad to be here. Hey, um, the last couple of days, curfew or not curfew, uh, protest or not, has been peaceful. And I, I would imagine you guys are happy because that allows your message to come through loud and clear. And people aren't distracted by rioting or looting or anything like that. Well, I wanted to draw a distinction between what makes us happy, which is ending state-sanctioned violence in all its forms, social, political, and economic, um, and what people are expressing. And and what people are expressing is outrage. Um, You know, so that expression of outrage uh, has impacted uh, the the racialized culture in America, which which we certainly think is good, but I would not— say what we are doing, what we're thinking, and what we have been considering, make, it makes us happy. This is a sad time uh, 
you know, today is the birthday. She would have been 26 years old today, Deanna Taylor, but she was shot in her bed uh, early in the morning because the police didn't knock and they just came in shooting. That's a sad day. Uh, we had the memorial yesterday for George Floyd and people heard it that eight minutes and 48 seconds. That's a sad time. Uh, you know? So no, we aren't happy. What we are is we see now that there is some light, some cracks, maybe. Uh, but we've been here before. Many of us have been here before. Many of us saw this happen with Emmett Till. Many of us saw this happen with the four girls who were bombed at the, uh, at the 16th Street Baptist Church. Many of us saw this happen with Trayvon Martin. So we've been here before. Uh, and we connect those dots. You know, and so... Happy is not what we feel. Happy is not what, 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 is what we are about. What we are concerned about is how do we stop what we have identified as police violence. I wanted to ask you what your reaction is to the mayor making what a lot of people are calling a major concession in uh, canceling the $700 million that the LAPD was due to get uh, a bump in funding this fiscal year, as well as cutting an additional $250 million from the, the budget there. Well, first of all, it's too little too late. Uh, BLMLA has been involved in and leading a coalition uh, of people that have developed the people's budget um, because we want to divest and invest. We want to divest from uh, overspending on police and invest in uh, human needs. And, and, we, and Black Lives Matter for the past five years has registered our opposition to the police budget. Uh, the police are getting up to 53% of the general fund. Uh, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot better ways that that money could be spent uh, in terms of making, you know, how do we make our city a better city? How do we you know, invest in quality of life issues? So we've been doing this for five years. This year, because the, the mayor, one, tried to fast-track the budget, uh, and two, tried to you know, put in those increases, uh, we took, you know, we stepped out, we opposed it. Other people began to see it and join us, and the people's budget emerged. And, and so what we are seeing is, from, from my vantage point, a couple of things. One, arrogance on the part of the mayor for proposing to fast-track that budget with the increases in, in the first place. Two, bad timing, because he did that at, at, a, at the time when the country was, certainly L.A. was exploding. And then three, uh, it's a win for the people, because if you look at the people's budget and what has happened in terms of sharing education and participation, people are saying, no, that's at least the surveys that we sent out. And this has all happened, by the way, in 10 14 days at the most. And so I was just saying that uh, the LAPD is still among the top five in the country in the killing of the citizen. And for a couple of years, they were, they were number one. And so we don't necessarily think rewarding the police is the best way to go. And so the, this is a victory for the people. This is a victory clearly for, um, you know, that a victory in the sense that the people spoke up uh, and made their voices known. What a would you like? That, Sorry. I was just wondering, what would you like the LAPD to look like as we move forward? Um, would you, are you um, of the of the thought that you want the LAPD completely defunded or down to five point seven percent? I forget the figure in the people's budget. Um, but what 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 does that look like? Yeah, 
Well, you should know that many of us in, in Black Lives Matter LA are abolitionists, and so we believe in the, the abolishment of prisons and police. Um, we're not quite there yet as a society, so uh, we are certainly prepared to uh, support the, the recommendations for the over 3,000 people who took the survey that, uh, that what the spending should be, and that's between 5 and 7%. And then I was talking about Oakland earlier. Um, Oakland's social service programs like youth programs, housing, income support receive less than 30 cents to every dollar given to the police. And that's a figure from 2018. If there was money taken away from the LAPD and pumped into social service programs, what programs do you think would be the most helpful? Well, you know, uh, three years ago, uh, Black Lives Matter put forth a proposal uh, based on the fact that you could hire three gang, in, you could hire three youth intervention uh, and prevention uh, staff for every one officer, and so there's a place you can start. Um, one of the things that we have allowed to happen over the past certainly 30 years um, is the criminalization of black people. Um, we are all gang. If you didn't know no better, you would think that on every corner and every neighborhood uh, is a gang member. Uh, and it's always used as a pretext to get more money, to get more uh, technology, to get more toys, to control and suppress the gangs, uh, and really to keep them from uh, hurting uh, good, decent white people <laughs> because, you know, they're hurting themselves. We don't care about that. It's you we want to protect. So as long as you can put that out as a pretext for why you need more money uh, and you can underline that with the historic racism in America uh, about how violent we are as a people, then you can continue to ask for more money. So the first thing that, that we have to attack is the narrative in America about black folks. There are four conditions that black people have to deal with. White supremacy, institutional racism, individual bigotry, and mass denial. Uh, and though, you know, we hear that and see that all the time. And so as we push back against this, as these, as this little bit of light that's shining um, that's, that's come about because of George Floyd, one of the things that concerns many of us, it requires our deaths. It requires Emmett Till's death. It required those 16, uh, the, the, those four girls at the 16th Street Baptist Church death. It required Trayvon Martin's death. It required George Floyd's death for people to pay attention to the conditions and circumstances and concerns of black folks. That is in and of itself tragic. That is in and of itself uh, the failure of the U.S. society. And so when we put forward ideas, when we put forward conditions, and we tell our stories that we have been criminalized, if we had just been listened to half that time, maybe some of this could, be, could, be, could have been avoided. But we have been dismissed. And one of the things that happens in America is that we, don't, we believe in the individual, and so we lift up the individual, uh, except when it comes to black people. Black people are categorized by our race. And then we are told that part of the reason we are in these conditions is because we're not personally responsible enough or because we didn't work hard enough or because we didn't uh, make, the, make better judgments. Uh, and the reason that we are disproportionately uh, represented uh, in the prison, in, in, in mass, you know, in the prison, or the reason we are disproportionately uh, poor, or the reason that is because 
It's our fault. We just ain't working hard enough. You know what I mean? And we hear that all the time. One of the things that the Floyd murder has done is at least begin to turn people to the fact that there's institutional racism that is being upheld by individual bigotry. Akili, thank you for taking time for us today. We appreciate it. Let's keep this conversation going. All right. Thank you. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. I'll tell you. When I see you again. Oh. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. It'll be interesting to see what they finally figure out is the cause of that big fire at uh, a distribution center over in Redlands. Uh, parts of the 10 had to be shut down because of this huge fire at a place that does the larger Amazon package deliveries. It's not an Amazon facility, but apparently it's a contractor for Amazon. Michael Jordan and the Jordan brand have pledged to donate $100 million over the next 10 years to fight racial inequality. It's like a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, Nick pointed this out this morning. A GoFundMe for uh, George Floyd's family has raised more money than any other GoFundMe campaign ever. Somewhere in the tens of millions of dollars. Um, so, uh, and then tomorrow, I believe, is the next memorial that they're going to hold for George Floyd. There's one of uh, three massive ones. I know that uh, there will be one in the town that he grew up in and then also a town uh, where he was born, uh, where he died and where he spent most of his life. Yeah, there in Houston. Well, I just showed you the video. This is a the weird time. Yeah, and how are find you feeling it- today? You've got both kids now graduated out of high school. Yeah. The time for the surprise baby? I doubt it. I, hey, it's 2020, so it's not like I could say, oh, that would never happen. <laughs> Clearly, I can't say that. Uh, but I don't know. That's not uh, maybe a surprise puppy. Is that Does that count? It's a baby dog. Don't say surprise puppy if you don't mean it. Well, it's not that I don't mean it. It's just I don't have a line on a surprise puppy right now. Okay. Um, But... Uh, yeah, it's weird. So our daughter did the drive-through graduation that so many kids have had to un- endure, I guess, over the the last couple of weeks. And thanks to LA County uh, for finally unleashing the the beasts that are uh, the drive-through graduations because we got to do one yesterday. That's why I wasn't here is because I was in, uh, I was sitting in the passenger seat while we drove through and and did that graduation. Um, in a day that was already weird because everyone in our little valley was uh, on edge because they thought the protest was going to blow up out of uh, get out of hand. And it never did. Uh, I'm I'm fine. I suppose. It's we- I mean, she's still there. It's not like she's she moved out the day she graduated from high school. Yeah, but doesn't it feel. Um... There's a weird finality to it. Yeah. Uh. I don't know what would be the next high school graduation I go to. I have a niece who still has to graduate from high school, so I could go to that one. And then, I guess, another in another 17 years, nine months. <laughs> My baby named, surprise, what? Hoffman, <laughs> who would graduate from high school. And We trust could me, have a midget party. 
Okay, you keep going back to this thing, and I, I, I swear there's two people in my life who would <gasps> advocate for, for that. For the baby shower, what we do is we'd have little people <laughs> and bassinet. You are a horrible person with a rotten core. What is wrong with you? Listen, my, I mean, no, I think no, it my sounds wife, like a brilliant idea. My wife has already said she doesn't want to see people put in positions like that that would be mean. She just wants to witness them uh, in, in the, the wild, wild. <laughs> which is very different than dressing someone up as a baby and putting them in a bassinet. I did not say dress them up as a baby. I knew All what, I said was little people in bassinets. I knew what you meant. Well, uh, we'll see how this weekend goes, right? Oh, it's the weekend? Yeah. Ah. Guess, guess what? It's Friday. Great. Yeah. Okay. Six-day work week. When's the last a, time you did that? In a couple, last week, didn't we do that? Is that this week? What day is it? <laughs> John and Kent show coming up next. See you Monday. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. Be sure to be with us next time for further adventures of Gary and Shannon. Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, whole bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery of available.